All right, everyone, welcome back. It is Monday, July 20th, and I'm here to deliver you another episode of Monday Madness. I don't know about you all, but I had a pretty good weekend. Hoping you did as well. I got to work on my truck with my old man. He was visiting for a bit, and man, we put a lot of work into that thing, and there were some wins, and then there was one big loss at the end. And right now, it kind of looks more like a money pit than a truck. But regardless of the outcome, I had a good time with the old man, and I learned way more about cars, electrical systems specifically, so chalk that part up to a win. I'm not sure about the rest, but hey, enough about my weekend. That's not what you came here for. You came here for that good data and those great articles, so let's jump right into it. For the past week, WTI prices have been relatively stable, ranging from mid-39s to low-41s, and right now that price sits at 40.59, so not too bad. Unfortunately, rig count doesn't look as good. Right now, the current count for the United States, as of three days ago, July 17th, was 253 rigs. This is a five-rig decrease from the last count a week prior, and we are now down 701 rigs from a year ago today. Which kind of brings us into our first story, because that metric really ties into what a lot of the industry was seeing. Low on rigs? Well, you're not going to have people producing, you're not going to have associated service companies providing those jobs, and it is likely that that will be reflected as soon as second quarter earnings are announced. That'll likely start trickling out at the end of this week and the start of next because the second quarter ended at the end of June and people are finally starting to get those numbers wrapped up. Many companies have already began to release those numbers, such as Halliburton, Baker Hughes, and Equinor, and these reports are really just illustrating how severe these shocks were thanks to the pandemic and decreased demand. While that demand was likely at its worst in the second quarter, hopefully that's behind us now. Going into quarter three, Morgan Stanley analysts predict, the path from here diverges, favoring low-cost producers positioned to efficiently stabilize and then repair businesses over peers with high-cost bases. Essentially, this is a really fancy way of saying who trimmed the fat best, who can keep their costs low enough to make some money, and I'm excited to see how that quarter plays out. It's going to be extremely volatile here, I predict, for the next few weeks, especially when those reports come out. And there could be those mergers and acquisitions I've been speaking on. And speak of the devil, we definitely have a new acquisition deal. Chevron going to acquire Noble Energy. Now, it was announced this Monday, today actually, that Chevron will buy independent oil and gas producer Noble Energy. In a move that Chevron CEO Michael Wirth said will be a good deal for shareholders in both companies. Now, I... I wouldn't agree that it's a completely good deal because while the all-stock deal is valued at $5 billion, or roughly $10.38 per share, this is only a $5 billion deal. If you include debt, $13 billion. But $5 billion sounds pretty massive. And you know, let's give this deal the benefit of the doubt. Let's look at it at its largest, right? So $13 billion, including debt, that sounds big. That sounds significant. And I would say it is, but back a year ago when Anadarko got acquired by Occidental, you remember how much that was? Well, if we look at it the same way, after it was valued, the transaction went at about $55 billion. Now, sure, this could be a good deal for the shareholders, but times are tough. And now that deal is, what, four times as large? That's insane. Insane. Four times larger in just a year. You can acquire a company like that. Granted, the territories were different. The infrastructure was different. But still, that vast difference in acquisition 
really illustrates just how badly things are. Someone sold their company before at a valuation of $55 billion. Now, not even a year later, less than a year later, I might add. Coming up in a few weeks, it'll be a year. But only $13 billion after including debt. So that, that to me is mind-blowing. That vast difference in the numbers. Granted, there's many more variables at play. But just goes to show how tough some people are taking these hits right now. But let's talk about Noble's portfolio. So right now, that's going to give Chevron a little bit of a boost in the Permian Basin, as well as some operations in the Colorado DJ Basin. In terms of assets abroad, Noble had some stuff in Israel and West Africa, which will further enhance Chevron's international footprint. Statements from CEO Worth said, This is an accretive deal on earnings. It's accretive on free cash flow. It's accretive on returns. And it really creates a stronger company with resilience to the downside and continued leverage to the upside. Now, to me, that means that either Noble didn't know how good they had it or they were just managing their own assets poorly. So I don't know why this deal is so lucrative and will grow in the way that Michael Worth says, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Since this was announced this morning, once the news got around about 40 minutes after market opening, shares plummeted initially about 2%. They're now only down 1.3%. Looks like it's climbing up, but there's definitely some volatility for Chevron there. Next, I'd like to take things abroad to China. So if you weren't aware, China, right in the middle of the pandemic, actually, kind of before the second wave hit, began to buy up a whole bunch of oil. Just how much, you ask? Well, about 11.34 million barrels a day, or about just under 50 million tons of oil, according to Bloomberg. That's insane. That is significant. And it's so significant that a lot of people noticed that it began to influence prices. But after two consecutive months of China filling its reserves with cheap, cheap imported crude oil, we are looking at a dramatic decrease in quantity imported. Speculators are saying that either this is a response to the second wave of COVID or the pace of the crude buying was just unsustainable and the Chinese realized that and slowed their roll. Still, a few more people are a little bit worried that maybe all of this stock was acquired for China's new mega refinery in Shandong that they plan to push 400,000 barrels per day through. Now, that won't be up and operating till about 2024, as predicted right now. So this was kind of a good thing for some people because China has acquired such a huge control of the market, especially when they started to buy this oil and influence the price so heavily. That kind of scared people, so the positive is, now that they're ordering less, the price will not be so dependent on Chinese actions. Kind of stems back to, you know, he who has the gold, but in this case, it's he who imports metric boatloads of oil. (laughs) So the fact that they are importing less is reassuring to a lot of people, but there is another metric to consider. I mean, right now, a lot of oil is traded on the U.S. dollar, but the Chinese yuan-denominated crude oil futures are looking more attractive to lots of people internationally. Consider this. In 2018, there were only 45 international brokers offering up Chinese yuan-denominated oil futures. Now, there are 60, and they include J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs. Keep in mind, those are not the names of rinky-dink brokers. That's J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs, the financial titans. So it is a bit alarming to people who would rather oil is backed and traded on the U.S. dollar. But I think that is the biggest things you need to hear for the week. Of course, there's still armed clashes in Libya. Shell's trying to ban gasoline car sales by 2030. Russia aims for 15% of global LNG market by 2025. So really, 
same old, same old right there. So I tried to bring you anything as interesting as I can. And if there's something else you want to hear on the show, first of all, reviews are the best way to reach out to us. We see those, we read those, we love to hear it. So on all of our platforms, I mean, LinkedIn, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave us those reviews and we'll definitely acknowledge you. But if you want to reach out to us, well, me specifically, directly, you can contact us, Rare Petro and myself and the rest of the podcast team, media team, at podcast at rarepetro.com. Again, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at rarepetro.com. So if there's anything you want to hear more of, something you think should be different, you know, let us know. I mean, we might say no, <laughs> never get back to you, but after all, we do produce this for you, so we want to hear what you would like to hear. And I think that wraps this episode of Monday Madness up. So thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe like I mentioned. And until next time, take care.